The Real Food Reel is proudly sponsored by Melrose Health. Founded in 1979, Melrose Health has been delivering improved health over three decades by developing natural, delicious and innovative health foods from the best natural and organic ingredients. Their healthy kitchen oils range has just launched and includes my favourites, liquid coconut oil, grass-fed ghee and avocado oil. Visit melrosehealth.com.au or check out at Melrose Health on Instagram to learn more. Welcome to The Real Food Real. I'm Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist. We're shaking things up on the podcast and each week I am joined by our cast of experts, including Kirsty Worth, Phil Maffetone, Kale Brock, Ali McLean, Katie Pettuccini, and so many more leaders in the fields of real food, gut health, sports performance, holistic wellness, and optimizing your health, metabolism, and longevity. While you're tuning into today's episode, would you take a screenshot of your smartphone and share it on social media with the hashtag RealFoodReal? I'd absolutely love to know that you're tuning in. And while you're there, why not share this episode with a friend who also needs to hear our information goldmines and aha moments. Sharing the show means we can continue our mission of simplifying nutrition and showing the world that health starts with what you choose to put on your plate. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Real Food Real. In episode 187 of The Real Food Real, we are joined by Dr. Will Cole to share his latest project, Ketotarian. In Ketotarian, Will defines his plant-based ketogenic food and wellness experience. We explore the potential pitfalls of a conventional keto diet and the benefits of a plant-based keto approach. We then dive into gut health, the autoimmune inflammation spectrum, and answer the very popular question, is there a plant-based alternative to bone broth or collagen powder? Let's dive in. Hi, Will, and welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited for you to share your most recent project with us. So let's get straight into it today. Tell us more about Ketotarian. Yeah, so I've been working on this book for a while now, and I'm so excited for it finally to be out and for people to experience it. So it's a plant-based ketogenic sort of food experience and wellness experience that um, I've been really laboring. You know, my my whole week is met uh, is mainly with patients. So when I'm not seeing patients, I was working on this <laughs> for the past year. Uh, yeah, I'm so I'm excited for people to read it. Beautiful. Yeah. Cannot wait to share it with our listeners. So what was the main reason that you decided that you really wanted to talk about this particular message? Well, I was born out of my patients uh, and seeing what works and what doesn't in people's lives and kind of seeing two seemingly opposite worlds within wellness, the ketogenic world and the plant-based world. And I wanted to kind of marry the best of both options. And I saw what a lot of people were doing in the keto world wrong. Uh, And then I saw what the plant-based world was doing wrong, both unintentionally. Um, And I saw growing health problems and symptoms and 
uh, all with good intentions, they were um, still having problems, and their health was probably. I would certainly uh, assume that their their health is better off than the average standard American or Western dieter, but they still were struggling with the health problems. So let's sort of this amalgamation happen between that based and the keto world. And that's kind of where Ketotarian was born out of. Yeah, I love it. And it makes a lot of sense, especially when we look at, you know, the conventional keto diet. So let's go there. What's your definition of a ketogenic diet? And what do you see as being the main health benefits? So we metabolically speaking, we have two forms of fuel. We can either burn sugar for fuel or fat for fuel. And most people uh, in the West are burning sugar for fuel in our modern culture. And um, what this means to varying degrees is it's akin to like kindling on a fire. Uh, It will cause a flame, but you have to kind of put more and more kindling on the fire or else it will have a burst of light and then will dissipate. And that's what happens from meal to meal and the snacks in between meals. It's kindling and kindling and kindling throughout the day uh, just to keep afloat, just to keep the flame burning bright. Um, and it works to varying degrees. Look, there's the, the dirtier form of kindling, which is the standard Western junk food uh, and all its forms of sugar and carbs in varying uh, degrees. And then you have the cleaner kindling, but it's still kindling, which is the whole foods movement. It's the plant-based movement. It's even the paleo and the real, all of this. It's it's still kindling ultimately. It's cleaner, uh, but it's still going to require frequent uh, kindling drops on the fire. Um, so that's sugar burning. That's the mode that most people are in. And then the alternative is burning fat for fuel. And that's uh, a, like a, a sort of a log on, on the fire. You have to f- put the log on less often because it'll burn more sustainably. And it's also a cleaner form of fuel as well um, from a metabolic standpoint. So that's what a ketosis is or nutritional ketosis is burning fat for fuel. It's burning our own fat if we have fat to lose, but it's also burning dietary fat and using dietary fat from a fuel energy standpoint. So when we say a ketogenic diet, it's burning ketones uh, for fuel. And ketones is what our body naturally also produces out of the liver. It produces ketones naturally. uh, And it's what our ancestors would have been uh, in in bouts of ketosis for the majority of human existence. So it's quite uh, in alignment with their DNA, which hasn't changed over the past 10,000 years. It's it's more of this uh, primal way of functioning, metabolically speaking. And it's, it's in alignment with our, what our DNA is used to. So it's good from a health standpoint. So our body produces ketones, and the main ketone is beta-hydroxybutyrate. And there's a few other ketones too. But beta-hydroxybutyrate has a lot of cool health benefits that researchers are now finding. So it's yes, it's a form of fuel. It's the log on the fire. Um, so it's, it's, you're off the blood sugar roller coaster. You can go longer times without refueling. It's, you don't get hangry. Uh, which is, you know, the hungry, angry, evil spawn. Um, and you're not really bound by the next snack or the next meal that you're kind of not having that insatiable urge to, to, to want to consume more because you are, have that log on the fire. But it's beyond fuel, which is certainly important, which why it makes it so sustainable because you aren't hangry and irritable or, or hungry. You're eating really decadent, nutrient-dense, satiating foods. Uh, from this uh, standpoint, but it also has 
beyond other health benefits as well. So it can pass through the blood-brain barrier uh, and be clean brain fuel. So it's really good for brain fog and other brain inflammatory problems like anxiety and depression and brain fog. Uh, and it also can pass through the cell wall and it helps with mitochondrial biogenesis, which is basically making new mitochondria. Uh, so it's good for cellular energy uh, and it's a really strong anti-inflammatory. So it works on all these different uh, infl inflammation pathways in the body and calms it and attenuates inflammation, which we know inflammation is really that common bond between just about every health problem that we see today. Uh, so it has a lot of far-reaching health benefits uh, that you really can, can utilize when in this state of ketosis or fat-burning state. Yeah, beautiful. Makes so much sense. I don't know why anyone would make the alternative choice. But what do you see as the potential negative impacts of a really conventional ketogenic diet? And, and tell us what that's looked like in the past. So I think a lot of times, and I write about this in Ketotarian, is that the keto world, a lot of it was born out of at least the modern phenomenon of the ketogenic diet is born out of weight loss. And it was basically at all costs getting ketosis and you'll lose weight. And that's sort of the main impetus for why many people are going keto today. Um, and obviously other applications too, when you're talking about seizures and epilepsy, which is a lot of the research done in the latter part of the 20th century. But even today, there's a lot of research beyond epilepsy and seizures, and they're want people are wanting to jump on that bandwagon and get in ketosis, burn fat, lose weight, all that good stuff. But the problem is they aren't really looking at quality of foods many times, and they're, as long as it's high fat, low carb, which is what a ketogenic diet is, um, they're going for it. And even if it has sugar-free, like aspartame or like a artificial sweeteners, or if it's any quality of dairy and meat and they're loading up on a lot of dairy because dairy is everywhere and it is most people love it. So it's, an, it's a reason to go towards this beloved food and it's keto friendly. So they'll load up on that. And it works for many people in the short term, right? They'll, they will lose weight. They're in ketosis. They'll even see the health benefits. But I'm worried about the long-term benefit. Uh, the long-term problems while people are just depending on these foods solely, which many people have dairy problems, dairy sensitivities, um, and the quality of the dairy in the West is really abysmal. And same with the meat. Uh, and I think that a lot of times people are just ODing on these foods that are just because they're high fat, low carb and long-term health implications I'm concerned with. And they're avoiding vegetables because they're fe fearful of their carb content. So you have all these people trying to do the right keto thing and they're like avoiding vegetables because they're afraid that it's going to throw them out of ketosis. It's going to add their carbs. And it's sort of this obsession with um, macronutrients over quality of food. So I really wanted to shatter that obsession, that keto obsession with macros and really educate people on not to fear vegetables. Um, so that's really uh, why I wanted to write Ketotarian and also just to show them you can be plant-based and be keto. So even if they're not entirely like in ketotarian, I gave them three options. I give vegan keto options, vegetarian keto options, and pescatarian. What I, what I call in the book is vegetarian, basically plant-based with wild-caught fish and shellfish and stuff like that. Um, 
they, they could be one of those or all three of those. Um, but they, and that's like, and like earth shattering to many people in the keto world. Cause they thought, Oh, we should be like, we're like the anti vegans. <laughs> no, you can really do the ketogenic diet in all of those ways. It's just a way of, of maximizing your food for optimal energy and fuel and be, to become a fat burner. Yeah, amazing. And that's obviously one of the huge benefits of a plant-based ketogenic diet. But I'm with you. My pet hate is seeing people, you know, cutting down on vegetables to try and get their carbs low. Like I think that's just missing the whole point when we look at the nutrient value of vegetables particularly and obviously the vitamins and polyphenols that we need. So, yeah, I think it's a really important message. Yeah, definitely. And again, it, these a lot of these people, especially in the keto world, they're kind of new to wellness. They're coming in because they want to lose weight. They don't really know a lot about nutrition. So it's really speaking to them. But then it's also speaking to the plant-based world, which I was a vegan for 10 years. So I have a, a heart for, for them and doing the, the, the food choices that they're doing for health reasons or ethical reasons or uh, whatever reasons. Uh, and they, we can teach them how to do their way of eating in a more sustainable way for their health from an energy standpoint and a, a metabolic standpoint. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure you've been asked this question a lot, but I find when people are really quite plant focused, they, they find it harder to follow a traditional LCHF template because they're either used to relying on a lot of carbs to build their plate or they're not quite sure as to, you know, how to get the required amount of healthy fats on their plate. So what sort of advice do you have for those people? So there's a lot of great plant fats, and that's really the, the foundation of the ketotarian food sort of pyramid uh, is healthy plant fats. So that's avocados and avocado oil, oil and all the different ways you can do avocados and coconut and coconut oil and olives and olive oil and nuts and seeds. Uh, those are really strong keto, you know, vegan keto options for people. Um, and then if you're a vegetarian and you want to go keto, you can bring in those uh, vegan uh, plant-based fats, but also bring in pasture-raised organic eggs and ghee, clarified butter for more vegetarian options. So right there, you have a lot of options that even people in the conventional keto world would eat them, but then they bring this other stuff in. But still, the predominance of healthy fats there are vegan and vegetarian friendly. Uh, so you have so much you can do with those fats alone, let alone all the vegetables and the herbs and the spices you can to bring variety um, to your meals. Mm, beautiful. And so you mentioned nuts and, you know, I think this can be a really great way to get those plant fats into the diet, but they can be a bit of a trigger food to some people digestively. The same I see or similar at least with legumes that genuinely or genuinely feature a little bit higher on a, you know, vegan or vegetarian template have you got some advice around in those foods or why that digestive upset might be occurring? Sure. So most of my patients kind of fall into that uh, umbrella of people where at the beginning while we're, we're healing their guts, uh, we limit or avoid the amount of nuts and seeds mm. uh, in their diet. 
And so the, the problem is a few things. The roughage can be really irritating to the gut and the digestion. Also, the lectins and the phytic acid, which are proteins that can be irritants and inflammatory uh, triggers for people's immune systems as well. Again, it's less to do with the foods and more to do with the, peop- with the amount of gut problems that we mm-hmm. see in our society. Um, so a few things. One, in ketotarian, I have, I mean, there's about 80 some recipes. Many of them are autoimmune friendly, which would be avoiding uh, nuts and seeds amongst other foods as well, uh, like eggs uh, and the ghee and nightshades as well. Um, so those would be nut free, the uh, autoimmune friendly ketotarian foods. But uh, many people do well with nuts and seeds if they properly prepare them. And that's where I teach, even if you're going to eat nuts and seeds, I suggest to soak them before you eat them. And that's a traditional preparation method that people have used for hundreds of years uh, to, to prepare properly prepare nuts and seeds. So you basically soak them in water overnight, and you can leave them in the fridge and or, or not, and then basically rinse them. And if you have a dehydrator, you could dehydrate them or... You know, you can toast them and dry them out that way or just consume them uh, relatively within a day or so or they can get moldy if you don't dehydrate them or toast them. So there's ways to mitigate the, um, the digestive problem that some people can have with nuts and seeds. Legumes, uh, other than fermented soy for the vegan keto uh, eater, uh, I really avoid um, legumes because of, not because so much as the carb content. Um, I think legumes can be fine if you're moderating your carbs some days or want to bring in some carbs. I'm not saying to fear legumes, um, but from a ketogenic standpoint, through this experience in keto, ketotarian, I put the the reader through eight weeks to shift their body metabolically speaking to have high healthy fats, low carbs. Um, for eight weeks to shift their body into ketosis and fat burning. From there, they can moderate their carbs if they want to and cycle them, and I teach how to do that in the book. And one way to moderate your carbs is to bring legumes in. But for the eight weeks, we avoid them um, from that standpoint. But with, let's just say after the eight weeks, you want to bring legumes in like beans or you know something like that, chickpeas, you can soak those as well to mitigate the lectins in the legumes. Mm. But I find that most people do fine uh, when they properly prepare them. And if they don't do fine, I gave them options because what that means is that they really have to heal their gut um, in a bigger way. And that can take time to start even handling these real foods like nuts and legumes. Yeah, I agree. The The food's obviously a symptom of the underlying dysbiosis. So it can be a, a sign that you need to dive deeper into your gut healing journey. But I just wanted to talk a little bit about protein. Again, not an uncommon topic when we speak to vegans and they are genuine, generally, if I could say that word today, uh, relying on legumes to give them a little bit of protein. So Obviously, you've got the fermented soy option, but I don't expect that you'd be advising that every day. So how do we get around the protein side of things if we're not looking at the pasture-raised eggs and beyond? Yeah, so this is not for the vegetarian keto eater. This would be more for the. This would be just for the vegan mm. keto uh, eater. Uh, so fermented soy. Let's talk about that for a moment. It, uh, two different sources would be tempeh and natto. Uh, the fermentation of the soy, if it's organic, non-GMO, that's a good source of probiotics, and it's really a clean source of protein 
uh, for people. And the fermentation breaks down the lectins and the problems that come along with traditional conventional soy. Uh, so I think it's a great protein source. But you're right, it's not going to be every day, every meal sort of thing. Um, and then at that point, you would have to look at the other plant-based proteins, which I mean, it's kind of a big list, but nuts and seeds are one source of that. Spirulina is a nice, great source of that as well. Uh, I love sacha inchi, which is a sort of nut uh, sort of thing, but you can get it in powder as well, like protein powder. So if you are completely vegan keto, there's many ways you can get um, protein in it, but you're going to have to be creative, right? Because you're avoiding these these complete proteins, which are going to be in the the egg as well as in the uh, wild-caught fish if you decide to be pescatarian, you're not having those complete proteins. So you're going to have to get all those essential amino acids throughout the day. I teach how to do it. You definitely can do it. Uh, but you're going to have to be creative, and I would say you can't be picky <laughs> if you're going to be vegan keto because you're going to need to get a variety of, of nutrients. And that applies really to everybody. I shouldn't just pick on the vegan people, but uh, it's just making sure you're getting in all those, those nutrients that you need. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely glad that you cover that in the book because it is, yeah, default to, to rely on those more carbohydrate sources that um, contain some protein like legumes or even quinoa, but they obviously won't fit in the first eight weeks of your program, but potentially beyond depending on the individual's goals. Exactly. Yeah. So after the eight weeks of into this into ketosis, they could bring in more complete proteins or other protein sources from a vegan standpoint. Uh, but uh, you definitely are going to want to make sure you're on point when you're eating any one of these ways with food quality and not just having anything because, and that's the reason why I wrote it, just because it's high fat, low carb doesn't mean it's, it's healthy for you. So you have to kind of um, make sure you're doing right. And I spell it out in the book, so it shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, beautiful. And what are your thoughts on supplements for someone that's purely plant-based? Do they need to supplement their food? Yeah, they do. Uh, I would say so. So B vitamins, B12 specifically is a, um, something that I talk about. And there's a whole chapter with the benefits of being plant-based and pitfalls of being plant-based. And the same with keto, the benefits and the pitfalls. So we can learn from that and we really can bring the best of both worlds together without falling prey to the pitfalls uh, that are, um, are found in both of their ways of eating. But B vitamins are one of them. Uh, you're not going to get true B12 if you're completely vegan keto. You can get B12 analogs um, from different foods, but you're not going to get the true B12. Uh, so you can supplement with that. Uh, and obviously, we live in a time and an age where people, keep, people can supplement with B vitamins. So that is an option. Uh, and then we talk about the omega fats. And yeah, you can get um, omega fats from chia seeds and flax seeds and things like that. But the conversion of those omega fats is pretty poor for many people, especially if they have methylation impairments or other genetic polymorphisms or, or an unhealthy gut where they're not fully absorbing the nutrients. So I, I make the case for the uh, vegan uh, keto and saying, okay, look, yes, I tell you what supplements to bring in. I tell you uh, the dosage and all of that stuff. But if somebody is not vegan for religious reasons, I kind of bring the argument of, of my own journey of being a vegan for 10 years and said, okay, look, I didn't feel so well. Mm -hmm. um, and that is not to say you can't feel well and be vegan, 
Um, and this is why I wrote the book. But there are many people within the vegan world that is doing the vegan thing that isn't feeling well. And they can have two choices. They can try supplementing with it. But my point is, look, if you're not feeling well, you're going to have to really come to grips with why you're doing what you're doing and be okay with learning and evolving and seeing what works for you and not maybe holding so strong to your political beliefs or your zealotry to whatever ethical reason you're thinking, but can you bring in food in a different way to feel great? And maybe that is being vegetarian. Maybe that's bringing, bringing in more eggs and ghee and in that way, and maybe that's bringing some fish into your diet for the sake of your health because we're all different and i think uh, some people with different genetic mutations or health problems they they're going to need more bioavailable sources of omega fats and b vitamins and iron and other things like that that they can supplement with but then at that point if we're not getting our nutrients from food uh is it really optimal for us Yes, it's an option in our modern modernity. It's it's the luxury of living in a time where you can supplement with different things. But ultimately, from a true food standpoint, if we can't get it from our foods entirely, is it optimal for us? So that's really the conversation I wanted to have in an open-minded way to really say, look, what are your priorities? What are you willing to do? And then these are some ways to eat vegetarian keto or even pescatarian keto and do it in a way that's sustainable for your health, but also the environment. Mm, I completely agree. And I've had this conversation with lots of my clients and I really respect the people that are willing to reassess their ethical values to optimize their health. And I definitely appreciate that it's not a decision that you make, you know, necessarily overnight, but ultimately you've got to acknowledge what your body needs to thrive. And as you say, we're all different and, you know, there's a way to do it properly and ethically focusing on food quality, but looking after your long-term health. Exactly. So again, many people in the vegan world, they are, they want to feel well. They, they, they do, they're doing their, their way of eating for, with good intentions and many of them what i've found is that they they are they think that it's all or nothing they're looking at the other side and looking like well look i don't want to be keto like that like downing dairy and meat all day long uh it's there's a middle ground and recalibrating the vegan world and recalibrating the keto world was my goal with ketotarian yeah i love it so just a couple of little topics left on my list i know you mentioned before about autoimmunity and inflammation. And obviously these are both fairly large topics in the health space. Um, how does this relate to ketotarian? So again, being, being a practitioner, seeing uh, mm. patients throughout the week, I uh, was really um, uh, my heart of writing this and seeing what people are suffering with. Uh, so there's over 50 million Americans, millions more worldwide that have an autoimmune disease uh, but there are millions more that are somewhere on the autoimmune inflammation spectrum, which I write a lot about in Ketotarian and I've written a lot about in the past as well. But just these people that have this autoimmune component or inflammatory component to their health problems, but they're falling through the cracks of conventional medicine. They're told you're just you know, getting older, you're just depressed, you just need to lose weight, or you're sent to all these different doctors with a pile of labs and probably a pile of medication and really nothing to show for it. And it's this continuum of inflammation in the body that um, is really uh, ubiquitous, to say the least. And what a, one of the most exciting health benefits that I find 
in ketosis is lowering inflammation levels. The fact that it can work on these inflammasomes and calm it down, the way it can work similarly to uh, an ibuprofen or like a non-steroidal uh, NSAID medication, it works on those same COX pathways, but without the side effects of hurting your liver and other things like that. Your body, your body naturally makes this with ketones, at driving inflammation levels down. So it's a really powerful tool to calm inflammation in the body. And again, inflammation can be anxiety and depression. Brain issues are inflammatory. And then you have, you know, obviously joint pain and things like that, but also every autoimmune condition and then heart disease and diabetes and, and weight loss resistance can all be this, these metabolic uh, immune inflammatory responses. Yeah, beautiful summary. And obviously, a large part of it comes back to your gut and what you eat. So again, a, a really important topic and one I'm glad that you've covered for us. Yeah. So just on that gut health topic, you know, the most sort of vogue options to heal the gut are definitely bone broth or collagen powder, which are obviously not um, a vegan option. So what are your alternatives there? So in ketotarian, um, obviously in the pescatarian keto option, uh, you can do fish broth, which some people do and they like it and it's not a big deal. I make one and only one exception in ketotarian from a vegan, vegetarian, and pescatarian keto option and it is bone broth because mm -hmm. of the collagen content. Uh, yes, you can do fish broth and be completely uh, compliant from a pescatarian standpoint, but many people aren't going to... Uh, make fish broth or buy fish broth or enjoy fish broth so they can do chicken broth uh, and that's one exception um, in ketotarian because as a functional medicine doctor I see obviously the benefits of collagen and you cannot replicate it fully from a plant-based standpoint mm. now there's a few things you can do to tweak this so if you are completely vegan and vegetarian you're not going to get a full plant collagen, even though there's different products out there that are simulating it or stimulating your body's own collagen production, which is another thing. But the, the, what I, what one uh, broth that I love, not from a collagenic standpoint, but from a gut soothing, gut healing standpoint is a ginger broth or galangal broth. Galangal is sort of ginger's cousin that is quite soothing quite nurturing to the microbiome, the gastrointestinal system that I love. And I use uh, in my clinic for patients you know, all over uh, that are more plant-based uh, or maybe they just don't enjoy a lot of bone broth and we mix it up with this galangal broth or ginger broth. So it's not collagen. You're not going to get the collagen from that, but you are going to get the gut soothing benefits um, from these plant-based broths. Yeah, I love that. And definitely helping some of the inflammation, no doubt. Absolutely. Awesome. Last question from me. What are your favorite recipes in ketotarian that you'd love to share briefly? Sure. So this um, ketotarian is half of it is health. Uh, we're geeking out on all the health science and mm -hmm. a really easy to understand way. Uh, a lot of health tips and tweaks and hacks of how to be plant-based keto. And then the other half of the book is recipes and pretty pictures and meal plans and like the manifestation of all the things we've learned in the first half. So each one's labeled with vegan, uh, vegetarian and autoimmune uh, friendly options for people. Um, so some of the ones that I love, I love these spring veggie lettuce wraps that are super yummy. There's this other recipe that uh, it's a Thai vegetable cashew curry with coconut. 
so many options. There's over 80 recipes. Um, most of them are vegan and vegetarian keto. And then obviously we have the pescatarian uh, options too, if you want to go that way of being keto. Amazing. Sounds delicious. And thank you so much for being so passionate about this topic. I just know you're going to change so many more people's lives. Just tell us finally where we can learn more about you and get our hands on Ketotarian. So everything's at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. It's on Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble if you're in the States. It's in all, all the main sort of retailers. But I have all the links at drwillcole.com. Amazing. Head to the show notes team to learn more. And Will, it was so great to have you back on the show. Thank you for all the hard work that you do to change our health. Thanks so much for having me back. Pleasure. Thank you so much for listening, team. Make sure you dive into the show notes over at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au forward slash podcast. Now, before you go, can I ask you a favor? I'd be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I personally read every review and comment and love hearing your aha moments and takeaways from each episode. Together, we can continue to spread the real food love. See you next time on The Real Food Reel. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.